Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you very much. Welcome to winningponies.com. We're going to have another great show for you here today. Uh, no doubt about it, i got some top people in the thoroughbred business uh, handicapping with us today will be the one and only Mike Watchmaker, who's been long associated uh, with the Daily Racing Forum. And uh, those of you familiar with his uh, his Saturday accounts, he uh, has the uh, Weekend Warrior section, which is, which is just fantastic, uh, where he will... Uh, take you through races across the country and kind of give you his insight it's a good way for those of you in different parts of the country to take a look at uh, at, your, at your featured race um, also with us will be Corey Johnson uh, you may have heard of Corey in many many places uh, he, he's been everywhere uh, was really located out west for the early uh, part of his career and right now he is the president of Kentucky Downs uh, he's also involved in horse ownership and uh, breeding in Kentucky uh, very interesting person and all I can tell you is Kentucky Downs is a very interesting racetrack. For those of you that follow harness racing, I just finished looking up at the uh, monitor here, and uh, if you watch or listen to the uh, Brown Jug from Delaware, Ohio, uh, it was Big Bad John taking home the Little Brown Jug in Delaware, Ohio. And I was reading uh, Bill Finley's comments uh, on the internet the other day, and he was talking about the things to do on your bucket list. And he said one of them is to go to the Delaware County Fair for the Little Brown Jug, and I would definitely co-sign that. Uh, I've been there on several occasions. Uh, it, it hosts some of the biggest uh, races uh, for just a little county fair. I mean, you you could be right there standing in the crowd, somebody tap you on the shoulder, and all of a sudden they're walking by with the favorite for the Brown Jug. It's amazing. You you are sitting right in front of the uh, stables in the backstretch, if that's where you are. The grandstand's on the other side. You see the Ferris wheel going. They've got the cotton candy. They've got the uh, turkey legs, the sausage. It, it's, it really is a county fair, but it is top racing. Uh, they, they open up the gates on January 1st, and the townspeople go in and actually chain their chairs to the fence. So those are their reserved seats for a little brown jug day. And uh, today... It's uh, it's a holiday for the kids at Delaware. Uh, they even get out of school. So uh, on your bucket list, uh, the Delaware County Fair and the Little Brown Jug. And also on your bucket list, you need to put 
Kentucky Downs. Now, we'll talk more to Corey Johnson uh, about Kentucky Downs later, but uh, I had my first exposure to it this weekend, and it was just, it's really unbelievable. It's like taking a step into a European racetrack in the middle of a Kentucky County Fair. I know that doesn't quite sound like it goes together, but somehow it makes it. It's a very comfortable place, uh, families kind of picnicking, uh, but then you've got a turf course that uh, that breaks uh, downhill and then goes into kind of a oblong egg-shaped turn as it swings down the hill, and then the final three-eighths of a mile are on a slight uphill angle. So you really have to be a, a smart rider down there to try to figure this course out at some of the different distances. Uh, but a beautiful facility. They started instant racing uh, just recently, and uh, according to their press releases, very successful. We'll talk a lot more about uh, Kentucky Downs when we get with Corey Johnson. I do want to tell you, though, I got uh, lucky enough to be there to see a little bit of history when uh, trainer Wesley Ward uh, reached the 1,000 mark uh, by number of winners. He sent out a cozy kitten win the stakes race that day, the $50,000 Franklin Simpson Mile. Uh, Ward, as you may recall, won the Eclipse Award, not as a trainer, but as the leading apprentice jockey back in 1984. And uh, I, I got to meet him in, in 2009 when he shipped up to River Downs to make public workouts with several horses uh, that he was taking over to the Royal Ascot meet and because uh, he said our course was so much like the European courses. And uh, he ended up being the first American trainer to win the prestigious Royal Ascot meet in England uh, when his two-year-old Colt Strike the Tiger uh, captured the Windsor Castle Stakes. And on the next day, uh, the two-year-old Philly Jealous again uh, won the Queen Mary Stakes. Both of those horses uh, worked worked here, and he just missed in another big uh, group race over there with Cannonball that ran here. Um, when I got down to Kentucky Downs, I was lucky to get down there in time to catch the eighth race at Charlestown uh, on uh, Friday. And from wire to wire, flag fall to that's all, rapid redo scored his 17th consecutive victory, closing in on Pepper's Pride and Zenyatta. I believe they stand at 19 for the consecutive race record. But this horse, he, he's, he's done it all again. Just it, During this run, he's won from five furlongs to a mile and an eighth. He's got tactical speed, uh, five-year-old son of Pleasantly Perfect. He's eligible for 5,000 uh, starter allowance races. And hats off to trainer David Wells who just seems to be doing an outstanding job uh, w- with this horse. This is going to be fun to watch. Mike Watchmaker that we're going to have on later in the program, he was quoted this week uh, by, by saying, but one of the nicer things about Rapid Redo's run is that there's no pretense involved. There's no he's the best since this or he's the greatest since that. Rapid Redo is just a remarkable, admirable starter allowance horse who clearly loves the game. You got to take your hat off to a horse like that. Uh, down in Lexington, things are up, definitely up. Uh, morale is up and sales are up. They're having a fantastic sale at, at Keeneland. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, on only their eighth day of selling, they surpassed last year's entire sale, and they'll still be selling all the way through this weekend. A lot of horses bringing uh, high prices. Uh, into what we call, you know, book three and four, where they think, you know, some of the bloodlines are a, a little bit less than what you see, certainly in, in the first book, and they were still selling a million-dollar babies. So uh, that's a very good sign for the industry. I know the full crop is down, uh, but uh, all I can say is that is a very, very positive sign uh, for racing and the industry. 
just out. The National Turf Writers and Broadcasters um, are giving some awards out to some fantastic people um, and people that uh, you, you've heard about on this show and hopefully we'll get to talk to. Uh, it was their uh, annual award. And uh, the a guy that started out uh, at, uh, at River Downs, Terry Wallace, who's been called the most recognizable voice in Arkansas, will receive the Mr. Fitz Award during the uh, annu- annual uh, Turf Riders uh, Banquet. Uh, he retired as the track announcer this year after a 37-year run in the position. He called over 20,000 races. Um, also being awarded will be the Permanently Disabled Jockey Fund, a uh, public charity that uh, provides financial assistance to nearly 60 former jockeys who have suffered catastrophic on-track injuries. A great organization. And we are going to be talking to a couple representatives of the PDJF here in the near future. And uh, then also uh, we're going to talk to, uh, hopefully, David Grenning, who works with Mike Watchmaker. Uh, he's the lead turf writer in New York for the Daily Racing Forum since September of 98, and he'll get the Walter Height Award uh, named for the former Washington Post turf writer. So uh, three very uh, fitting individuals and an entity uh, that will be getting an award from the turf riders. Um, on the training tab, it looks like uh, Blind Luck is going to go to the ladies' secret. And uh, Jerry Hollendorfer is going to keep her out there uh, on on the West Coast. Uh, looks like uh, he'll be going to the Ladies Classic. Uh, had a a nice work on the West Coast the other day. He's not going to ship to the Bell Dame where probably would have hooked up with Arv de Grasse. So those two have got a great uh, rematch going. Uh, also, uh, Uncle Mo and Stay Thirsty. Uh, they're working well. It looks like they're both going to be point. To the classics. Some thought that Uncle Mo might back up a little bit and go in the mile, but I guess not. A uh, quick review of uh, last week's uh, action. Uh, we The uh, Garden City at Belmont Stakes, unbelievable. It was just uh, winter memories. Uh, Mike Watchmaker will talk about this. This horse had absolutely nowhere to go. Uh, was up on the bit early. Uh, so Xavier Castellano, New Jack, took her back, made an explosive move. It was just fantastic. If you get a chance, go back and, and listen to uh, to Durkin's call. It was fantastic. But uh, uh, winter me- memories, again, we said to throw out the Lake Placid, uh, a very impressive uh, daughter of El Prado, another one that likes the turf. Uh, unbridled humor. Uh, took the damsel in New York, and that was on Sunday. Another race that, uh, that we handicapped uh, was Parks President's Cup, and uh, Smart Bid, the even favorite, was no factor. The winner was Stormy Lord, who was given a very good uh, ride by Justin Stein, was fourth outside and just pulled to the leaders, got away at 9-1. to one. This horse likes the grass. It was his seventh lifetime victory on the grass. Also, uh, we looked at the, uh, the Charlestown Oaks, and the Charlestown Oaks... Uh, a very interesting race. It was won by Homebred Strike the Moon. Uh, Strike the Moon uh, is kind of a real good uh, local horse. Was uh, owned and I mean, yeah, owned and bred by Larry Johnson, uh, where he, he started out with horses for two thousand dollars back in the day, and now wins the four hundred thousand dollar. Charlestown Oaks, a, a good win for the hometown. Uh, Strike the Moon uh, just got beat in the Delaware Oaks to St. John's River. 
no excuse for the Monmouth Oaks, but some, a couple horses have come out of that race and, and done pretty well. Uh, then we went up to Toronto. There was only a million dollars on the line there. And the winner there and a beautiful ride by Julian Leparu was Tullalure. Tullalure coming out of the Bernard Barouche at Saratoga. Uh, where he rallied from ninth and went away by two and a half, made a uh, very similar move. Here's another race. Again, it was the 10th race at Woodbine, uh, the Woodbine Mile. If you can go back and watch the, the video of this, believe me, it is worth it. Uh, when they were within, oh, I don't know about the, the 16th pole, there were seven horses that were within a length of each other. But uh, Tullalure found uh, a sliver and got through. Uh, hats off to Julian Leparu, who uh, had a, a very, very good weekend up in, uh, up in Canada. Uh, he also won the Canadian uh, aboard uh, Never Retreat that day. So uh, uh, the, the Frenchman Julian Leparu having a most excellent day up in, in Canada. Again, uh, down at Kentucky Downs, uh, it was uh, Cozy Kitten taking home the Franklin Simpson Mile, the thousandth win for uh, trainer Wesley Ward. Uh, if you're looking for two-year-olds to watch up at Woodbine, that was a big day with a lot of stakes. Uh, the uh, uh, the Natalma at 6-1 to one went to Northern Passion. This horse can really roll. Uh, came, came from out of it, was 12th and last at the half-mile pole, and got up. Northern Passion will be a two-year-old filly to watch. And as far as the two-year-old boys that day running a mile in the summer it was finale now earlier on the card i saw john velasquez up there and he didn't win a race and think boy went a long way for nothing well no he didn't he now has the mount on finale and this is another two-year-old colt to watch i don't know he's going to find himself in trouble someday he's on so many hot horses but another one for pletcher uh finale an odds-on win uh, we're coming out of the Continental Model at Monmouth Park. One mile on the turf was a heavy, heavy favorite that day. And, uh, again, an odds-on winner in this summer stakes. Uh, so this is going to be one to watch. Finale. Finale was another one of those Keeneland sales babies. This one came out of the November sale for 175000 Well, the son of Scat Daddy has now paid that back, 189000 So that's... Uh, uh, a look at the races that we handicapped last week and the tracks we were at. The search for the next Barbaro goes on. Uh, his two-year-old full brother, Magano, uh, ended up finishing seventh in his debut Saturday at Belmont Stakes. Well, like I said, uh, we've uh, got a great lineup of guests for you. We're going to kick it off with, uh, with Corey Johnson, the president of Kentucky Downs, who has a, a very interesting story on how he ended up uh, being a president of a track, and the owner of a farm in Kentucky. We'll be right back here shortly on winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, right, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, yeah, you're going to be with John Engelhart, and I'm going to be talking to Corey Johnson, who's the, the president of Kentucky Downs, that unique racetrack I spoke about uh, at the top of the hour. Uh, Corey brings with him quite an interesting uh, resume. He's been involved in the horse racing industry on just about every level, uh, from a summer job as a racehorse groom uh to the uh, president of Lone Star Park at Grand Prairie, uh, when they hosted the uh, they hosted the Breeders' Cup World Thoroughbred Championships, uh, he was involved in all kinds of ventures, in, including uh, the uh, Remington Park in Oklahoma City, the Ipatromo de las Americas in Mexico City, and Maronas National Racetrack in Montevideo, Uruguay. Um, and I think one of the, the highest honors you, you can get is uh, some of the ones that he's had, and he received an Eclipse Award uh, for some local video production. Uh, he was also, from 2005-2007, the president of the Thoroughbred Racing Association. And I'm going to have to stop there because this guy's accolades could go all day long. Corey Johnson, how are you doing? I'm doing great, John. Thank you. Uh, Corey, again, reading your resume, can can you just... Uh, you know, before we get to the accolades of Kentucky Downs, uh, can you describe the road you took from being a hot walker to becoming a hard boot in Kentucky? <laughs> Whoa, that's uh, like you said, that's uh, kind of a long story. But uh, um, what happened was I needed a job between my junior and senior year in college, and uh, I ended up grooming racehorses at the old. Centennial Racetrack outside Denver, and I just grew to love the the sport and the participants in the sport, and um, I've just been so fortunate to be able to earn my living ever since I got out of college in horse racing, and um, you know, now we're in a position at Kentucky Downs, as I'm sure we'll discuss with instant racing, that I think we can really do something for the industry in Kentucky and hopefully all over, you know, North America. Uh, 
Now, it was when, when it started out, I remember everybody was scratching their head. The, the place was called Dueling Grounds. Uh, how did you get involved in, in the venture to uh, acquire in what a lot of people would say was a risky venture? Yes. Um, yeah, what happened was in 2006, um, we um, imported a mare from Argentina. Her name was Honey Rose. And Honey Rose, uh, Todd Pletcher trained her, and her first start in North America was at a track called Kentucky Downs. <laughs> so my partner, Ray Reed, and I went and watched her run, and she actually ran second in the Franklin Simpson, you know, distaff, oh, the Kentucky yeah, Downs okay. distaff at the track. And when I walked into the place, I had no idea how nice it is. I said, this place is great. I mean, this is a hidden treasure. And Ray had wanted to buy a racetrack, and frankly, I had a list of five, and Kentucky Downs was at the top of the list because of its um, location near Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. And when we saw it, it was just like, we got to buy this place. So we got a hold of Brad Kelly, um, who's a great guy and and really loves horse racing and wanted Kentucky Downs to do well. And he said that he liked me and Ray, and he thought we could move the place forward, and he'd sell us the place. So we made it. We put together a partnership, and we bought it. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be a part owner, and, um, you know, kind of the rest is history. Well, uh, again, I told people at the top of the show that uh, this is a, this is a track that uh, you, you need to you need to put on your bucket list. You, you need to see it. You need to experience it. Um, it's got class, but it has almost a southern charm to it. Um, it it's kind of a beautiful, just one big, uh, almost colonial style uh, clubhouse that's a ways down from uh, the finish line. And, and up by the finish line, it's a little more county fair-like, but it seems to be that there's something for everybody. I, I will tell you, I, I got lucky enough to, to uh, b- bump in uh, to a, a good, good good friend of mine and uh, ended up uh, uh, getting to partake in the... Uh, the buffet that you had there was excellent. You might know him. His name, his name is Bob Reeves. Uh, yeah, I know. Bob's a good, he's a good customer of ours. He's a great guy. And again, he, that's a good man because he loves racing. He really does. Well, to be honest, I'm looking at a horse right now hanging on the wall that Bob and I bred together. So he's one of the first guys I see when, he, when I walk into the place, he and his wife, Sarah, and they say, hey, you with anybody? And I said, no. I was, well, one of my friends was playing in your handicapping contest. And, uh, he, they said, well, join us for the afternoon. So it was great. So I uh, sat down with Bob and Sarah Reeves. I mostly ran around taking a lot of pictures. And I do, before I go, I want to tell you, her name is Valerie Slack. Took care of us during the afternoon. Put a star on that girl's uh, report card. She was just fantastic. And she wasn't the only one. And, you know, this is something that I noticed from the moment I got there Friday night uh, to, to watch a couple races uh, on, on television there in the, the handicapping section. Um, was the customer service was just fantastic. I mean, it really, now that I work for a, a company uh, that uh, comes from kind of a casino management style, I mean, they just, as soon as you walk into any area of the track, there seems to be somebody there to identify you and say, hi, how you doing? What are you looking for? How can I help you? Yeah, I, you know, I agree. I mean, obviously I'm the president of the place, but we were very fortunate. We hired 85 people within basically 30 days. 
And my experience with opening other racetracks, you you just it's hard to guarantee that level of customer service and that there's going to be that attitude among employees. And I just the people in the you know the Franklin Kentucky area um, just were so excited to get these jobs, and they're nice, genuinely friendly people, and it it shows in our customer service. So. Um, I feel very good about that, and, and I, I really am proud of the team that we put together there. Well, I, all I can tell you this, Corey, is that comes from the top down, so a tip of my cap to you. Now, when I walked in and I looked to my left, I thought I was in a Vegas casino. I looked to my right, and I thought I was in an up, upscale OTB. Uh, Tell us about, I think you, you were the first one to take the gamble on instant racing. I know you uh, probably had your detractors, but I'm looking at your year-end stats, and it looks like uh, your gamble's starting to pay off. Yes. <clears throat> instant racing is a very important placeholder for, you know, the Kentucky horse industry. You know, we could let, you know, basically politics overcome common sense and keep our industry bottled up. Um, Kentuckians spend $670 million a year at casinos in Illinois, Indiana, and West Virginia. Now, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and those states use casino revenues to fund their purses and their breeders' awards. So common sense would tell you that if in any state, especially Kentucky, when we're the signature industry, the legislature would, you know, move a bill forward that would allow alternative forms of gaming at the racetrack. But because, as we know, in our country, we have this partisan politics that overcomes common sense and problem solving, well, we ran into that in Kentucky. So we took a regulatory approach, the... Attorney General, the Racing Commission, and then a district court judge all ruled in our favor that instant racing is legal in Kentucky. So it really wasn't that big a gamble. It was an educated risk that we took um, in spending the $3 million that it took to begin our instant racing operation. But somebody had to do it. Somebody had to take the step forward. And we're, we're legal, we're right, and yes, the Family Foundation has an appeal pending, but my partners and, and myself, we were willing to move forward, and I think it's going to be a tremendous gain for the state of Kentucky. Well, one one aspect of it that, that I find interesting, and I believe you, you were quoted on it, um, I've, I've heard so many times that when you get a, quote, let's say, Racino, that never the twain shall meet, that that the, the slots people are the slots people and the horse people are the horse people. But what, what I'm sensing from the vibe we're, get, we're getting from Kentucky Downs is that instant racing brought some people out that may not have been uh, at the horse races and then all of a sudden took interest in it. Yes, I, I believe that. I believe that for a number of reasons, our overall traffic into the building has increased. Um, it's enabled us to actually show increases in live racing and simulcast in wagering. Those are the handled numbers within our four walls. 
Um, and this was going into a 10% decrease. So really, there was a 15 to 20% positive swing for paramutual wagering on horse racing. Boy, you, you got to like that hearing coming out of anybody's mouth since they're over at horse racing these days. It, it, and and John, a, John, let me add one thing to this. Um, we are committed, really, I mean, first and foremost, you know, my commitment is to my partners in the industry to maximize revenues. And when I say the industry, I mean the horse industry. That, that's our goal. But, but I do want you to know that our partners are dedicated to the horse industry. One of our major investors is Bill Kasner, sure. who was a former partner in Windstar and is totally dedicated to the horse racing industry. And before he invested, he looked me in the eye and he said, look, no matter what, I want to make sure that we treat horse racing number one at Kentucky Downs. Yes, we need alternative forms of gaming. And yes, that's critically important for our industry, but we are never going to forget what brought us to this place. And Bill and I share that same attitude, and we are. What I'm most excited about, I swear, the day after we ended on Monday, I'm already thinking ahead to the 2012 live racing season when our purses should double. We should, you know, we, we applied for six days of racing rather than four. I mean, we're really going to have some fun at Kentucky Downs and provide a great turf racing outlet for horsemen. I hope my goal is that we host one or more Breeders' Cup win and you're in races because we have the best one-mile turf course in the country and we have the best one-and-a-half-mile venue in the country. So I I hope someday that we can, you know, get a top Breeders' Cup prep race. Well, I see no reason why you shouldn't. I remember years ago uh, it uh, attracted that grade one stakes winner, Honey Rose, <laughs> to the racetrack. Right. Uh, Corey, uh, I'm coming up against a, a break here. Uh, thanks so much for being on. And once again, uh, you know, I, I think we, we all need to be ambassadors of the sport, no matter you know what side of the river you work on or what track you work on. And I'm just going to tell anybody within the, the range of my voice that they, they need to figure out a way this time of year to get down to Kentucky Downs. I hope you get those extra two days. And quite frankly, I felt very sorry when the seventh race came up because I could have been there for another seven. Yeah, I, I agree, John. It's a great place. I'm very fortunate to be a part owner and the president and we look forward to, to doing a lot, not only for Kentucky racing, but racing throughout North America. Well, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Corey Johnson. Uh, again, we're talking about Kentucky Downs, and believe me, you know, management comes from the top down. The place was excellent, and all I can say is they're blessed with an excellent president with Corey Johnson at the helm. We're going to be right back with our handicapping portion of the show and get to talk to one of the best cappers in the country from the East Coast. With the Daily Racing Forum, it's Mike Watchmaker. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
Fantasy Sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john engelhart got a tip for us need a tip from us if you want to talk with john or his guests the phone lines are now open toll free at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com now back to winning ponies with john engelhart all right thank you very much for tuning in to winningponies.com I have with me right now one of the most respected handicappers with the Daily Racing Forum, uh, Mike Watchmaker. Uh, but be- before uh, I speak to him, we were just uh, off uh, Mike talking about uh, one of his contemporaries, uh, David Grenning, who uh, just received uh, one of the top awards uh, from the National Turf Riders. Uh, and a uh, personal friend of yours, I know he's visited River Downs on occasion. He says he- he's quite the guy. Dave does a great job. I mean, that, that used to be my beat, and, and he does a two-person job, and he does it very, very well, and he makes it look easy, and it's not nearly as easy as he makes it look. He's a, an outstanding reporter, and I'm glad he got an award. He, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big, big one for awards. You know, I think it's not really a competition. You're, you're supposed to provide a service, but uh, if any reporter in the country deserves an award, it's Dave Grenning. Well, the, the nice thing about this is it's not a popularity contest. Uh, it's given to you by your, your contemporaries, the, the National Turf Riders. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's an organization I belong to as well. And, uh, uh, you know, I, and like I said, he completely deserves it. Anybody who reads the racing form knows what an outstanding job Dave, Dave Grenning does. And he, he's a must-read. Uh, even, if, even if you're... You know, not interested in, 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 in day-to-day reporting, you should be. Uh, and if you're just, if you're just the horse player, uh, you know, there, there are two nuggets that are very, very important, 
uh, that can that can actually you know uh, affect your handicapping in a positive way, and and it's uh, you know it, it's something that every handicapper should do. They should they should read news reports from the circuit that they play, uh, and, and you're liable to get a nugget or two that that could that could really make a difference for you at the windows. Well. Uh... Mike, what, what I'd, I'd like to know a little bit, and probably a lot of listeners would be, as far as your, your attraction to the game and w- what got you uh, involved in the game to the point that you wanted to do it as a career. Well, uh, my dad uh, was a horse player, and, uh, and my grandfather was a gambler, so I'm a third-generation gambler. <laughs> um, I uh, started to go to the racetrack with my father when I was 12 years old, the summer of 1968. Uh, I grew up in Boston. Uh, I started to go to Suffolk Downs, um, and that was a big thing back in those days for a 12-year-old to be able to get into the racetrack. But the way it worked for me is that Bill Veck, the great baseball adversario, headed up a group that bought Suffolk Downs, and one of the first things he did uh, was to get the law changed. He had to be 21 to get into a racetrack, and he got the law changed to allow minors into the racetrack as long as they were accompanied by an adult. So I tagged along. Uh, that summer, 1968, when I was 12 years old, uh, with my dad uh, going to the racetrack, and I was I was immediately, immediately attracted to the past performances. I thought it was just incredible that you could get, you you, you could you could you could explain a horse's history in such a concise fashion, and I, I I guess I was instinctively drawn to the intellectual pursuit that that handicapping really is, and uh, I was bitten by the bug very early, uh, and I. I didn't take long before. I was just an all-out rapid racing fan, um, and I went on to college anyway, uh, knowing full well that I wasn't really going to apply my education in that regard. Uh, but as soon as I got out of college, I uh, I put an application to go to work for the racing form. Somebody told me that suggested that that would be a good idea. Uh, a year later, I was hired. I was uh, somebody. Uh, had passed away and it created a complete change in the, uh, the, the food chain of, 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 uh, of employees stationed around the country and it created an opening at Churchill Downs. And, uh, I was told that if I could be in Churchill Downs in a day and a half, I had a job. And I was in Churchill Downs in a day and I had a job and I went to work for the racing form of May of 1980. And I worked for them until early 1991, uh, at which point I resigned. Um, I was, uh, for the last eight of those years, I was reporter for the racing form. Uh, I went to work for the Racing Times, uh, the, the late, great, lamented uh, Racing Times, which was the publication that introduced things like buyer's fee figures to the general public. Uh, the career boxes that are that are so important in the past performances were introduced in the Racing Times. Many other uh, uh, past performances innovations were introduced by that newspaper. Uh, unfortunately, our owner, Robert Maxwell, took a header off a boat. His house of cards folded, uh, and then we were bought by the uh, then administration of the racing form who shut us down. Uh, and so I uh, floundered about a little bit, worked freelance, then went, went to work for the New York Racing Association in 1994, uh, worked for Zyra uh, for uh, almost four years uh, as their uh, uh, line maker, uh, program handicapper and also uh, started off a show called Talking Horses, oh, yeah. uh, which was uh, turned into a very popular program. Uh, I had a, a numerous uh, co-hosts on that show. One of them was Andy Sterling, who's still uh, a very popular uh, uh, Talking Horses uh, uh, co-host today. 
I then went back to work for a racing form in 1998 uh, as national handicapper, and I've been working for them ever since. Well, you've been doing a yeoman's job. You know, it, a lot of handicappers uh, cover one track at a time, uh, but with your weekend warrior feature, you're all over the country. Is that more of a challenge, or do you like picking your spots for certain races you like? Well, it's, it's the format of the weekend warrior thing that, that the column that I have on Saturdays, uh, Saturday's Daily Racing Forum, it's also available uh, at, our, at our website, drf.com. Um, I, I, it's a luxury for me. I mean, it, the, the format is I have room to handicap three stakes races of my choosing. So I get to cherry pick. And, you know, you would think, well, if I'm cherry picking these races, I should go three for three every week. But it's not that easy. And it doesn't work that way. And the other thing is, is that I'm not out there looking to pick $4 winners. I'm looking to pick price horses or horses that at least offer some betting value for what they are. Um, so if I go one for three, uh, on a Saturday, uh, I will generally show a very good flat bet profit. I mean, that's that's the goal. Uh, it, it's not the number of winners you pick; it's 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 what they pay. Uh, that's how scores kept in this game. Absolutely, you're right there. Well, listen, and, what I want to try to do yeah, is uh, see if we can get two races in before our, our first break. Uh, we're going to do the Foxwoods Galen Bloom handicap in your backyard, and then go on to the Grade Three Kent at Delaware Park. Uh, the Foxwood Galen Bloom handicap is this uh, Tar Heel Mom's race to lose? Well, uh, Tar Heel Mom's are, are, are a very nice mare. There's no question about it. Um, I think she's a little bit suspect at the six, for, six and a half for a long distance. Uh, I think six for longs is really her best distance. And uh, she threw the rail and she likes to be up close to the pace. And uh, there is some other early speed in this race. I mean, if Tar Heel Mom wants to lead, She'll have the lead, but uh, you know she's the kind of horse that you know it, in recent seasons. You know I think they're more comfortable, you know, letting her have a target to run at, and and I think she's got accustomed to that style, and I, I think she's kind of vulnerable in this race because uh, because of the pace scenario. I think she's going to be involved early in some sort of pace battle, and 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 I don't know about her at the distance. She's going to be the favorite. I should I should have said right off the bat that this is not one of the three races I use in the weekend warrior this week. I I don't think it's a terribly attractive betting race, but uh, you know I, I would be betting against Tar Heel Mom in this race. I'm not crazy about her in this spot. All right. Well, would that be uh, Tamarind Hall or Pomeroy's Pistol that you'd be going with? Well, I couldn't go with Tamarind Hall. I, I know she upset the Better Roses handicap who starts back and got a good number doing it, but. Uh, you know, I, I, she had never run like that before, before, and, and she didn't run particularly well in the ballerina. I, I just think Palmer's Pistol's the right horse in here. Uh, she was second last time out to Terry with the set. She is a three-year-old facing older, but, you know, I, the three-year-old fillies that she's been running against, such as Turbulent Descent last time out in the test takes, uh, I think Turbulent Descent is a really, really good horse. I think she's one of the best, uh, female sprinters in the country uh, of any age. Uh, and I think she's a, a prime contender for the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint this year. And, and Palmer's Pistol was a game second to her. And then three starts back, Palmer's Pistol ran well, uh, winning an overnight stakes at Mama. Palmer's Pistol's last three races were the best races she's ever run. Uh, she's adaptable from a pace standpoint. I like her outside position here, breaking from post six on field of seven. Uh, she can let the, the race sort of unfold toward her inside and work out the kind of trip that's, that's suitable. I mean, if the pace is moderate, 
she can lay close up on the outside and in it being four wide around the far turn of Dal line is not a disadvantage because it's such a wide sweeping turn. If it was Aqueduct, it would be a different deal where the turn is tighter because ground loss is much more meaningful on a tighter turn racetrack than it is on a, on a wide sweeping racetrack like Belmont. And, and I just think she's going to work out a good trip and she's much improved. She seems to be, uh, you know, uh, still has room for development. I, I prefer Pomeroy's pistol in this race. All right. Listen, um, we're getting our back up against the wall uh, uh, here a little bit uh, before my next break. Here's a race that we will be reading about in the Weekend Warrior. We're going to go a mile and an eighth on the turf at Delaware Park in the Kent. Uh, it looks like most of the talent here may be closer to the outside. The question is, uh, where is J.W. Blue going to run in this race or in the Pennsylvania Derby? Well, you know, it, it, I think it, it, a lot depends on what happens with the weather. You know, there's been a rainy weather forecast from the Northeast uh, today, tomorrow, Saturday. Uh, you know, it, 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 I guess, I think uh, several horses in this race entered in this race in the hopes that it might be rained off the turf. But I think Delaware will do everything they can to keep this race on the turf because it's the last turf stakes of the season. Uh, and it's an important race. It's a graded stakes race. It's an important race for them. Wilcox is absolutely the horse to beat in this race. There's no question about it. Much improved since you got blinkers on. Three starts back. He was much the best one in the all-class American Derby. Uh, two and three starts back. And last time out, although fourth of the Secretariat, denying of the sweep of the Mid-American Triple, uh, he ran well in that race. That was a much tougher field than this one is. But if Wilcox in looks so good in this race, and he's going to be the favorite in this race, then what's wrong with, with Casino Host? Casino Host is who I'm going to take in this race. He finished only a little less than a length behind uh, Wilcoxon last time out in the Secretariat. He was compromised like Wilcoxon was by the very slow early fractions, fractions of that race. As a matter of fact, the first two finishers in that race, uh, Treasure Beach and Ziarid, went around the racetrack 2-1. So, uh, uh, you know, Casino Host was compromised more by the slow pace because he was further back early than Wilcoxon was. But he finished only a length behind him. Uh, and then two starts back, he was a very good third in the Virginia Derby. I mean, this is a horse that's on the improve. He's going to be a much better price than Wilcoxon. I can take, I think that this is a horse we're, we're taking a shot with. I, I like Casino Host like that. All right, winning, uh, ponies listeners, Casino's host, Mike Watchmaker, 12 to 1. Like he said, if he only wins one of those three and this one comes in at 12 to 1, you'll be cashing some tickets. We're going to be coming back with not one, but two derby picks with Mike Watchmaker of the Daily Racing Forum. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. 
I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Hedrick. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with one of the premier handicappers of the country, Mike Watchmaker. Uh, we're going to take a look at not one, but two derbies. Uh, one, one of them here in, in the States, the Pennsylvania Derby. And then we're going to go up to the Ontario Derby at Woodbine. Uh, the, the Pennsylvania Derby bringing together kind of an interesting field. Horses coming from a lot of different places. I've got some horses in here that have won prestigious races. Uh, one of Races that you'll certainly know would be the Belmont Stakes winner, Ruler on Ice, is in here. And then uh, for those of you uh, familiar with Canadian racing, uh, uh, Pender Harbor uh, won the Prince of Wales Stakes, a very uh, well-respected race uh, uh, north of the border. Uh, One of the more promising uh, three-year-olds this year to honor and serve out of the Bill Mott barn will be in there. And uh, on the outside, uh, a horse to me that looks like he he might even be the now horse uh, trained by Karen McLaughlin, Rattlesnake Bridge. And I'm going to be very interested in listening to Mike Watchmaker and see how he breaks this one down because there's all kinds of angles thrown at you in this one, aren't there, Mike? Yeah, it's an interesting race, John. I, you got the two, three, four finishers out of the Travers. You got a horse in Pender Harbor who, uh, as you mentioned, won the Prince of Wales Stakes two back, and he won the Breeders' Stakes last time out. That's the last two legs of the Canadian Triple Crown. Um, so, uh, you know, you know, it's it's an interesting race. The first two favorites in this race are going to be Tawara and Serve and Ruler on Ice, and and. You know, I was a huge fan of Tawara and Serve after after his two-year-old campaign last year. I thought he was immensely impressive when he won the Remsen in Nashua, but he, he to me he was a profound disappointment uh, when he was third in the Font Youth in Florida Derby in his first two starts this year. Got a suspensory injury, missed the Triple Crown, came back with a, a, a dud of a return in the Amsterdam, but he got back on the winning track last time out when he was dropped to the allowance uh, ranks. Uh, he went big, got a triple-digit buyer speed figure. Maybe Tawara and Serve is on his way now, but you know I think he's, he's going to be a distinct underlay in this race relative to his actual chances of victory. Uh, you know maybe he is on his way, but that field he beat last time out at Saratoga was not an especially good one. The runner-up in that race is a New York bred claimer. Uh, as for Ruler on Ice, he did of course upset uh, the Belmont Stakes three starts back. At 24 to 1, he did it in his first start with Blinkers. He's been a much more competitive horse with Blinkers, but then again, when he won the Belmont, he did it with the aid of a speed uh, favoring racetrack. He raced with the grain of a speed favoring racetrack. Came back was, I didn't care for his, his third place finish in the Haskell. I thought his fourth last time out at Travers was a better performance. He was surprisingly aggressive early. Uh, he was close to that very strong early pace, a pace that only favored winners stay thirsty, survive. Um, the problem with Ruler on Ice is his big win came on a wet, biased racetrack. 
Uh, it looks like he wants distance. His, his two best races were the mile and a half Salmon, the mile and a quarter Travers, and he's cutting back to a mile and eighth in the Pennsylvania Derby. If he wins, I lose. Uh, I think yeah, you were right about Rattlesnake Bridge. I think he is absolutely the now horse in this race, and he's who I like. Uh, he was second in the Travers at 14-1. I thought he ran well in that race. He went into it off a bit of a layoff. Uh, he, he was shuffled back a little bit in the early stages of the race, and it kind of cost him. It might have cost him some early position, but nevertheless, he made a very nice wide run late in the far turn. And for a second there, it looked like he might actually win the race, but he tried it. He tried very hard all the way down the stretch. He was drifting out a little bit late. That was a mile and a quarter race. I think a mile and eight is a much better distance for Rattlesnake Bridge. I like Rattlesnake Bridge in this race. Um, what's your opinion of Rush now? Because he put in a very game performance in the West Virginia Derby against uh, Prayer for Relief, who came back and ran a bang-up race uh, last week. I know he's going to be part of the, the pace scenario. Do you think he could be a part of our trifecta? Well, I, I suppose, you know, you know uh, one of the things about trifecta wagering, as far as I'm concerned, is just that, you know, you want, 20, 30 to one shots to run third. I mean, that's what makes your, your trifectas. I mean, of course, you want it to win if you like them, but, you know, you, you have to be inclusionary underneath in your trifecta plays. And I would never say a horse like Rush now can't, you know, hit the board in this race and can't be part of a trifecta. That said, I don't think he's good enough. Uh, you know, I, I know he ran a bang up race last time on the West Virginia Derby to a streaking horse prayer for relief. But I think prayer for relief is a couple of some of these three rolls, and I think rush now is definitely a couple of some of these three rolls too. All right, well, uh, you and I, I think we're both going to go with that now horse on the outside, and now we're going to go to Canada, to Woodbine, a mile and an eighth. It's the Ontario Derby, a very interesting uh, group. Again, uh, Ontario Derby, but it's bringing horses in from uh, Saratoga and Arlington Park. Uh, quite a mix here. Um, you've got uh, two horses making equipment changes, uh, it's a it's an interesting race. The two horses that seem to come to the top for me, and you'll probably correct me, <laughs> would be uh, Pender Harbor and Hippolytus. Well, uh, you know, I wouldn't I would knock any one of them, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you're right. I do agree with one thing you said. This is an interesting race. You've got a couple of horses coming out of the Travers Stakes, and this is obviously a much easier spot than the Travers. We also have Pender Harbor entered in this race. We just talked about him in the Pennsylvania Derby. This race is in his own backyard. Uh, his connections might look at the Pennsylvania Derby, say that's too tough a race for him, and it is too tough a race for him, and they might wind up staying home for this one. Yeah, the interesting thing is, I mean, a horse like Pender Harbor, he won, this, like I said, the second and third legs of the, of the Canadian Triple Crown. Well, the second leg, the Prince of Wales, was on the dirt track at Fort Erie, and last time out, the Breeders was run on the turf at Woodbine. Those two races were the best races he ever ran. His prior races on Woodbine Synthetic Racetrack, which this race is run on, weren't of the same quality. Uh, even though he was third in the Queen's Plate, no, let's not forget the Queen's Plate was won by Philly and Glorious. So uh, you, you can have him as far as I'm concerned. Bowman's Causeway, you know, also coming out of the Travers, he was only a nose behind Penders Harbor. You know, I, I just think that these horses... You know, while have competitive form, uh, you know, are, are still vulnerable to somebody who, who can really run. And I think 
Derby Kitten. Derby Kitten, who's, not, who's, who's who I'm picking in here, and I think he's a very intriguing horse in here. This, I, you know, this is a horse that also ran in the Secretariat. We talked about Wilcox in uh, and, and Casino Host in the Ken Stakes. They both came out of the Secretariat Stakes. So does Derby Kitten, and Derby Kitten is another horse that was compromised by the very slow pace of the Secretariat. And Derby Kitten three starts back. When he was served in the Lone Star Derby, was compromised by a very slow pace. That was a race where the first two finishers were, were major pace players, and it, they walked up on the lead, and nobody came really came back. What the reason why I like Derby Kitten is he's repeating a winning pattern. Uh, he's made his last three starts on turf, and now he's going to a synthetic racing surface. The last time Derby Kitten went from turf to synthetic racing surface was when he ran on the Lexington Stakes at Keeneland, and it was by far the best race of his career. He won that race in going-away fashion. He didn't beat a heck of a lot, but he won it like a good horse, and he got a decent buyer speed figure doing it. Um, he's repeating that pattern now, uh, and he's also backed by a barn that's got outstanding numbers when they move horses from turf to, turf to synthetic. Uh, Mike Maker wins with 31% of, of every horse that he moves from turf to synthetic racing surfaces for a return on investment of $3.33, and this is from a fairly large sample. Uh, so, you know, it, it's... Uh, you know, there are a lot of signs that point to Derby Kitten, you know, running big in this race. And the other reason why I like him is that, as I noted, he was compromised by no pace in the Secretariat and the Lone Star Derby three back. Uh, I think the pace is going to be a little bit better in this race. There's not a lot of early speed in this race, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as slow as it was in, in his last start and, and, and three starts back. Well, I, I can't fault a single thing you said. And again, uh, you using the, the trainer stats, something that I absolutely love in the daily racing form as far as from turf to synthetic, which is just an amazing statistic. And as you said, it, it's not like he's only done it with 10 horses. He's tried this angle 74 times, and he's won over 30% to pay uh, $3.30 uh, on return on investment. You can't knock that at all. So once again, a fantastic tool to use the daily racing form, a, a great publication to buy on Saturdays because you get to turn about five pages in and get to the weekend warrior. And that's Mike watchmaker. Mike, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure, Don. Thank you. All right. Take care. Well, once again, I want to thank uh, Corey Johnson and uh, Mike Watchmaker for being on winningponies.com. Be sure to uh, to dial them up and take a look at all the great products that will only complement the races that we just handicapped. If you go to winningponies.com and, and pull down some of their products that are just sensational, you'll see their stats on getting winners. And hopefully Mike Watchmaker will help us get some over the weekend. So that's going to pretty much close out the show for today. Again, I thank my guests. From high atop the grandstand, overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhardt. Thanks for listening on Winning Ponies. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhardt. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.